0: Good evening, everyone. My name is Jake Milham. Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast presented by Royals Review. If you want the news and analysis you need for all things Kansas City Royals, please go check out RoyalsReview.com. You can also find it on Facebook and on Twitter. Speaking of Royals Review, I have another Royals Review writer joining me tonight. No, it's not Jeremy Greco. Unfortunately, he could not make the show. It is the one and only Preston Farr. Preston, how are you doing tonight, man?
1: I am doing well. I can't complain. It's a nice, easy Sunday. Uh, that it is. Lost, but we're used to the Royals losing, so it doesn't yeah. really mess up the day too much anymore.
0: No, not not anymore. It might have uh, might have messed up my Sunday about a about a month ago, but not anymore because there's this certainly is not going to be the last loss of the Kansas City Royals season. Um, listen, if if you want to if you want to go read about the Chicago White Sox sweeping the Royals to close out the road trip, you can go read about that on the website. Preston and I, we're going to try to have some good vibes on the podcast tonight. We're going to be talking about some of the good news stories amongst the Kansas City Royals farm system. Because, Preston, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of good things going on an individual level, at least, for these Kansas City Royals in the farm system, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, anytime anytime you go on Twitter, there's always going to be somebody that says, well, yeah, when they get to the bigs, there'll be a bus, so who cares? But, I mean... If that's, if that's your mindset, what's the point in following the game at all, right? The Royals aren't going to be good for a couple of years. No, you know? they, they really um, aren't. And, but the guys that ahead. they have this year, there's a lot of really good headlines. There's a lot of good stories. They're actually developing pitching for the first time in, like, my entire life, I feel like. So <laughs> there's plenty of good things, I think, going on. Yeah, that there is. And
0: I'd, I hate to say it, but that's not too far off because I can only think of the only, like, Top of the line rotational guys that the Royals have developed have been Danny Duffy and Ventura. Those are the only two that I can really think of. You can, you know, you could talk about maybe Brad Keller is is one of those guys, but like these, the past couple of years have really erased any goodwill
1: that Keller has built up. Yeah, um, there's just there's just no consistency. And I mean, even dating back beyond that, I mean, who else is there? There's Zach Greinke and who else? There just hasn't been a whole lot of big names they've developed and. Like two decades, yeah. There's there's a lot of like
0: big gaping holes, like years between another rotational guy coming up. Meanwhile, these other small market teams are consistently churning out new rotational pieces, at least if not aces. Um, but l- like you said, that is kind of turning around, at least on the lower levels of the minors for the Royals. Um, we're seeing a lot of immediate returns on investment, at least in Quad Cities and Columbia. I would say, um, as as a whole squad, the strikeouts are up, the ERAs are down, um, the WHIPS have improved as well. The walks have not gotten much better, at least over a over a nine inning ratio. But that's that's okay. I will take you know, a few outliers causing a, a four and a half BB over nine personally. Um, but that that's going to lead us to our first topic tonight, Preston, because there were two major, I, I consider them major uh, promotions this week. First, I do want to talk about Noah Cameron making the jump from Quad Cities to Northwest Arkansas. Um, I, I was really high on Noah Cameron entering this season, um, Preston, what are you seeing from him in his starts or what are you liking about Cameron's 2023 season?
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely been kind of a surprise guy. I think for some people, the Royals got him kind of late in, I think the 2021 draft, uh, cause he underwent Tommy John surgery. So I don't know if a lot of Royals fans really had him on their radar, but the curveballs looked really good this year. Uh, I think he's a little old for Uh, Quad City, so it's nice to see him moving up. We'll see if he can continue that. But no, I mean he's not—he's not really a guy that's just leading the Royals. He's pretty consistently like top ten in the entire minor leagues when it comes to you know like strikeout rate and FIP and xFIP and all those other statistics. So I think he's a guy. You know, if he can continue to do that in Double A over you know the next month or two, then he's maybe a guy we're talking about joining that rotation to start next season.
0: Yeah, probably so and the Royals can take any or they will take any option that presents it itself to them because that 2024 rotation is looking pretty bleak right now if you had to build it right now. Um you you were absolutely right Preston the Royals did take Cameron 199th in the 2021 MLB draft and that was primarily due to, you know, between COVID, he only had he had less than like 20 collegiate starts and then he underwent Tommy John. So it was a really, really big, risky pick, if you will, even that late. Uh, But, man, I just loved how quickly he rose up in 2022 because, like, he started out in rookie ball. Um, You know, he only had, like, a cup of tea in Columbia, and then he ended up in Quad Cities as a 22-year-old. So that was a good trend. And even before the new pitching development and pitching approach came in, he was really focused on control. And I will say, if I'm looking at MOB.com's scouting report correctly, um, they gave him a, a 55 grade on his control, which was by far the best in the Royal system, at least according to their grades. Um, but yeah, well, you're right. Which is nice because the Royals haven't they can't teach guys to control the baseball, right? They can't. And that, that was their big issue, like at least the past two years when I've been following prospects a little bit more closely, was, was the control. You had these you had these flamethrowers or you had these guys who had one or two really, really good pitches, but they just couldn't control them. So seeing Noah Cameron be able to do that, especially with his changeup, which is also disgusting. It it has been very refreshing if if I had to describe it, Preston.
1: Yeah, and I think he's a guy, too, with the stuff that he has. I mean, his changeup's great. Uh, his curveball's just nasty. Um, I think he has a slider. Slider's pretty good. But he's a guy that I think is really benefiting from the Royals teaching the guys in their system to just attack the zone. Let your stuff get the swing and miss. You don't need to nibble on the outside like maybe a guy like Brad Keller's done. Um, but that's kind of in the Royals approach before the season is uh look at your stuff on the outside of the zone, maybe a little bit you know on the corner and get guys to swing this year just seems like just throw it in the zone, let guys swing and miss if they hit it. your stuff's good enough, it's not going to really lead to a lot of home runs anyways. So I think with Cameron, he's a guy that's he kind of headlines that, and I pulled yep. up his numbers because I was curious in the entire minor leagues right now. He's first in Fip out of anybody, Oof. any qualified pitcher. Good Lord. So, um, And the Royals don't, I mean, 2018, I think this, maybe Danny Lynch is something. Brady Singer was, you know, kind of, who knows what you have in him. One, one start he's great. One start he's kind of off the rails. But I think as a whole, that whole 2018 class is kind of behind us at this point. It's not going to save the Royals. No, so, not, not at all. So for a team that doesn't have a lot of those pitching prospects left, I think Noah Cameron's kind of the first of that next wave. Um, you know, we'll talk about Veneziano, but he's a little bit older. Noah Cameron's in his age 23 season, so he's kind of that next group of guys that we can look to.
0: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, let, let's go and talk about Veneziano uh, making the jump from double A AA to triple A Omaha Um, if we were, so I, I like Cameron more as a prospect just because of his age. But if Veneziano was, was 23, I think a lot more people would be, would be talking about him because man, this guy has been on an absolute tear in 2023, five, one record for the naturals um a 2.13 ERA and only two and a half walks over nine innings. Like he has, he has been something else so far. Um looking at more of his numbers, he has a sub one whip over forty innings, which it might not sound like sound crazy, but that is um I would call it elite production, no matter the level Preston. Yes, hell, yeah. Um what are you so I know and I do want to clarify this, neither one of those players have made their um debut at the next level preston i believe you tweeted it out earlier when are the expected starts for both veneziano and cameron
1: well uh when i was trying to pinpoint it earlier i think cameron probably debuts on tuesday because that would have been Veneziano's slot in the rotation mm-hmm. it's kind of an easy swap there um for veneziano going to omaha though i think it really kind of just depends on daniel lynch because okay. he if he stays in Omaha for another rehab start, he'd probably pitch on Tuesday. That would be mm. his schedule to go. But the Royals, uh, they have like three starting pitchers right now in the major leagues. So, yeah, I don't know if they can really keep uh, Lynch down there longer. They can keep him up until I think June sixth is what I, what I mm. calculated because he can stay on a rehab assignment up to thirty days as a pitcher. Okay, gotcha. Well, so, but Cameron should be Tuesday, and then if I had to guess, I'd probably say Veneziano starts on. Tuesday as well for Omaha. Okay. Uh, if not Omaha, they might do some shuffling in the rotation. Cause if, if Lynch stays down there, it'd be Lynch on Tuesday, Austin Cox on Wednesday, and then maybe Veneziano on Thursday. But okay. I don't know if they want to give so many days of rest between starts there for Veneziano.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so a little bit more background on Veneziano, a 10th rounder back in 2019. Um, really? He, Came out of college, so he, he wasn't super young. Like we said, he is in his age twenty five season right now. Um, look, Preston, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I kind of tuned out Veneziano after his twenty twenty two season. Um, I think he had like a six to nine record and a a five two ERA, if I recall correctly. Like he he looked like a guy who had some potential, but was hurting from this from this pitching you know, coaching staff down in double a that just was frankly ruining prospects. It seemed like for a while there. Um, what's the, what's the lowdown on Veneziano? What's his, what's his arsenal? What are you liking from him?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong with Veneziano as far as, um, you know, kind of falling off the radar in the, in the farm system, he was drafted in 2019, like you said. And I mean, between, his debut in 2019, we had the pandemic, we had COVID. He was, you know, basically had that lost season. Uh, he looked good in 2021. It looked like he might be something. Uh, his ERA was under four, uh, strikeout for nine was 12.2, but he was kind of struggling with walks a little over three and a half. And then, like you said, last year, he just kind of fell flat. The strikeouts were down, he was walking more guys, kind of what you'd expect from <laughs> pitching development. Yeah, but this year, a lot like Noah Cameron, I think attacking the zone has helped him a lot. Um, he's throwing the fastball up in the zone this year, which has helped him a lot. It's okay. kind of been a trend for the Royals in the minor Leagues. So, I mean, his walks per nine is 1.1, 1. 1, which is insane. That's what we were looking for. Yeah. Here, just less walks um, and limit the damage, and that's what he's done so far. So, as far as repertoire, like I said, you know, his fastball is his best pitch, I think. He's been throwing okay. it up in the zone. His changeup is pretty good. Uh, he can mix in some, you know, some sliders in there, but usually he just relies on the fastball changeup combo for the most part. Okay, so um, with that two pitch
0: mix, do you think he's going to ultimately be a be a reliever in um, in at the major league level if he had to be one?
1: If he had to be one, then you know I think he could he could be a solid reliever. I think for where the Royals are at right now, though. He's got to be in the rotation this year at some point, I would imagine. Yeah, I agree. He's a ceiling in the rotations. You know, he's not a frontline starter. He's maybe a number four, number five. Mm -hmm. Uh, As good as he's been this year, but, you know, with only two main pitches, he just doesn't really have the pitch mix to succeed long-term in the the front of a rotation. But I think he's a a solid guy. I think for the Royals, as bad as their pitching's been, we'll probably see him later this year. Okay. Um, You know, he's... I don't know long term, he's a guy. I don't think he's gonna yeah. be like, you know, a leader of a staff. But he's a good guy to have around. Good depth in the system for sure. Okay, I do. I
0: I am very excited to see him in Triple A because we know, look that that staff as a whole has been looking rough. Um, I do like you know I like what Cox did when he came up to the major league club. I I feel like there is some potential for him to be like a good depth guy if the Royals wanted to try and move him into the rotation, I don't know. I'm a little bullish on him, um, but out outside of Cox, you know, Heasley has, has not been good. Um, Brooks Chrisky has been, has been something this, this year. Um, I, I look at his XFIP and I see the, the five point difference between his ERA and his XFIP, which is absolutely crazy to me. But, Preston, tell me tell me if I'm wrong, but as a whole, that pitching staff up in Omaha is really,
1: really bad. There's not a whole lot to look forward to. Yeah, no, it's a bunch of guys that are just depth, and it's also, I think, a bunch of guys that don't really fit what the Royals are trying to do anymore. Um, Jonathan Hazley had one really good start his, I guess, two outings ago. He was throwing the curveball a lot more. But I think what you have with guys like Hazley and guys like Austin Cox They just don't really have very good fastballs. I think Drew Parrish is in there as well. The Royals are really focusing on elevating the fastball, throwing it up in the zone. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, with your secondary pitches, like Noah Cameron's curveball, if you you locate that elevated fastball, the curveball is just going to be that much better. Okay. The problem with those guys in Omaha is their fastballs stink. (laughs) Can't throw a fastball. Um, So I think it'll be interesting to see Veneziano in Omaha because he's the first – He's the first pitcher in the system to reach that up, that highest level of the minor leagues by doing what the new Royals pitching development wants to see. Okay. So I think that can give fans kind of a glimpse into how does this new approach work at the upper minor leagues, and then how would that translate to the major leagues?
0: Okay. All right. Well, that, that's the lowdown on Noah Cameron and Anthony Veneziano. We're going to take a quick break, but on the other side of this ad, we're going to be talking a little bit about Carter Jensen's historic run in Quad Cities, and we got to talk about Samad Taylor. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the Royals Rundown Podcast. Jake Milham here with Preston Farr. So, Preston, I, we got to get it out of the way um you you listen to Josh vernier's post game show. you hop onto Twitter, go onto Facebook. It seems like the most popular promotion or next promotion that fans wanna see is Samad Taylor to Kansas City and rightfully so in in my opinion, he has proven everything that he can at omaha he He looks strong and he well looks strong as a as a uh not a great word he's he's a contact first guy if you ask he me is, but he
1: can he can hit the ball harder than you think i think yeah is he is that power developing a little bit more yeah if you look at his average exit velocity it's not great but like his 90th percentile numbers they're pretty good he has okay. a lot of weak contact but he mixes in a lot of you know 105 mile an hour 108 mile an hour you know singles okay so
0: Preston, before we talk about the bat, because that is, that is an, a known quantity at this point for Samad Taylor, I feel like. So my biggest hurdle seeing him in Kansas City is I don't know where he would fit in immediately in the field. Um, because Sam Taylor coming over from the Blue Jays system last year in the Whit Merrifield trade, he was a he was a middle infielder guy. He was a second base shortstop primarily, but the Royals did start working him a little bit out in center field. So there is a possibility. Hey, can this guy be a you know a, a speedy left fielder, or can he be a depth that fourth outfield guy? behind kyle isbell or drew waters ultimately so preston if you had to start samad taylor in kansas city tomorrow where would you put him in the field and why
1: sorry my uh my internet cut out i think <laughs> good <laughs> you're day. good i yeah i i can hear you can you hear me yeah i can hear you now you were frozen okay. for a minute. awesome
0: yeah i was about to say I'd, I'd you were frozen for a second and then i got you back all right um let's see So, sorry, I got to, let me go back a little bit. Okay. So if you had to start Samad Taylor in the field in Kansas City when they return to Kauffman Stadium tomorrow,
1: where would you put him and why? I mean, if it's up to me, I'm putting him in center field. Okay. Um, I know that Drew Waters is on the way, and Drew Waters is fine in center field. He's a good center fielder. He's not as fast as Samad Taylor, but his arm's really good. But personally, I think he's better as a corner outfielder long-term. And Samad, like you said, Samad's played in center field. He's played 10 games there this year in Omaha. But even in the Blue Jays' system, they were starting to put him in center field. Played a lot more corner outfield in the minors for the Blue Jays. Um, But, I mean, he played eight games in center field in 2021. Played 25 games in left field last year for Buffalo in the Blue Jays' system. So, um, but if it was me, I just put him in center field and you can kind of mix him into a corner if you need to. Okay. But I I don't know. That's a big question. Where do you fit him into the field? But I think it's easier than it looks. You don't have to overthink it. He can play second <laughs> base. He can play third base. He can play center field. He can play left field. And with the guys that were running out there, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. Nate Eaton, I don't even need to talk about Hunter Dozier. No. Yeah. You know, everybody will talk about him enough for all of us, but with those guys that you're running out, Samad Taylor can do whatever they do and better. It's just kind of a no brainer to me. I don't know what we're waiting for. Okay, understandable. Um,
0: man, yeah, it is. There's a lot of injury returns and a lot of prospects that are performing well at these at the same positions that are. Probably complicating the situation in my brain a little bit more than it than it needs to be, but you're absolutely right because you know push comes to shove, you can call some odd Taylor up, and you know let's say you want to start Nick Prado at first base, boom, you throw Taylor out there in left field alongside Isbeller Waters um, before they're back. Taylor, you know he might have a good ten game sample size before either one of them return from injury because I do believe. Waters has a little bit more time in Omaha. Is is that correct, Preston?
1: Yeah, Waters, well, hitters can... So, pitchers can stay on rehab assignment for 30 days. For hitters, it's 20 days. Oh, okay, gotcha. Personally, I think Waters probably comes back on Monday. You in think so? Kansas City, when we start against Detroit. But that he can stay sense. down for a whole other week. So, he doesn't have to be back up until the following Monday. What is that? The 28th? Yeah. 29th? 29th. Yep, that is the one. So, okay, g-
0: good to know. But that... That's what I'm saying. Like, it's going to it seems silly unless they're making like the correct corresponding move, like the correct corresponding move in my brain would be, okay. so you you DFA Jackie Bradley Jr. And then you call up Samad Taylor like that's the that's the no brainer in my mind. But Preston and this does translate a little bit more to the bat would that be doing a disservice to taylor if you brought him up alongside waters you know like he wouldn't he wouldn't have an immediate role
1: to get bats every day does that make sense no it makes sense and i think i think with so many different moving parts no matter what there's going to be guys that are not getting enough at bats right okay um i mean nick prado you're kind of just fitting into a corner outfield or you're fitting him into first base to cover many days off or you're giving him yeah. a dh day I think the Royals have a lot of that going on in the upper upper minors and the major leagues where they have all these guys that can fit so many different roles, which isn't necessarily a bad problem to have, but then you have guys like MJ Melendez. You're trying to have him catch and play the outfield and learn how to hit. It didn't really work very well, right? No. And we've seen since he's just sticking to the outfield, he's done a lot better at the plate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe a little bit. It's a little bit of a struggle for a guy like Simon Taylor coming up. Um, with Drew Waters and then not having regular at bats, but I think if you if you bring him up with Waters, you DFA Bradley like you said. You probably send down Nate Eaton because he's just not he's not it in the major leagues right now. So if you do all those moves in one corresponding move, then I think it makes a lot more regular at bats for Samad Taylor. Okay, all right. I, ironically I do. enough, I mean we traded Whit Merrifield and got Samad Taylor. They kind of fit <laughs> similar roles, right? Different, yeah, they do. Different guys at the plate. You know, in a in most senses, but they feel kind of a similar spot on the roster. Okay.
0: Well, I will um you know what, there's plenty of people pounding the table for Samad Taylor. Um, I've kind of been a, a silent supporter in that because, you know, he's been doing all the all the actions himself. He's you know, it's not a it's not a one or two tools sort of thing that is gonna get Samad Taylor up. Like the the glove is there. The bad is there. It's just a a matter of when, not if at this point regarding Samad Taylor joining
1: the Major League Club. Preston, before we move on, is there anything else you want to say about Taylor? I think the only other thing I'd add is we, on Royals' Twitter today, and really just this week, there's a lot of talk about Bobby Witt Jr. as a leadoff man. Mm, Yes. And, you know, he's not really suited for that role. He's more of a run producer, not a Mm -hmm. guy that sets the table. Uh, I think Michael Garcia can be that guy, but if you're looking for somebody else to lead off, Samad Taylor's your man. Uh so far in Omaha, he's sense. walking eleven percent. He doesn't strike out a lot, he's striking out 19%. Uh he's got a lot of speed, he can steal you some bases. I think he's second in Omaha right now in stolen bases behind Dyrone Blanco. Uh yeah, he's got twenty-one stolen bags on the air. So Oof, man. If oh, you're lady. if you're looking for somebody to move Bobby down in the lineup, Samad Taylor can fill that role. And I think that's the only thing I did. There you go. I think, I think that's an excellent
0: point on Samad Taylor. That would be a, an even, maybe that's why they've been taking so long because maybe, maybe that's like the, the ultimate move that they foresee. Like that's what suits Samad Taylor best, but they, uh, you know, what was it? Cody Tapp was talking about an interview that they did with JJ Piccolo Talking about how they don't want to move Bobby down, which I'm not I'm not gonna fall into
1: this rabbit hole. I, I promise Preston I've already <laughs> I'm also getting more like get Bobby more at bats if it'll make him better, but he just doesn't that's not him long term, no. even. That's not what you want him to be. So it doesn't make sense. No, I want him I want to see him in
0: the in the five hole. Um, you know, maybe down there at, at six. That's I feel like that takes a lot of pressure off of him. But you know you're going to be throwing some odd Taylor right into the fire if if you do that from the get, or you could go the old Mike Matheny route and throw him in the in the nine hole there. What do you, what do you think about that now?
1: Whatever Mike
0: Matheny would do, do the opposite. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, hey, speaking of a a player that I don't think would thrive under Mike Matheny, Carter Jensen, man. Let's let, let's talk about that guy because. I uh, I saw your response, someone, you know, tweeting out about like, oh, well, he's uh, he's not a major league player. Um, he's not going to be anything in the in a couple of years or anything like that. Carter Jensen is on an absolutely historic role right now. Um, and mainly that's with him actually walking, not actually hitting the ball. Um, Preston, if, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about Carter Jensen and what he's doing right now that is so special.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not wrong on Twitter. He's not a major league player, but it's all about projectability, right? We're talking about what can this guy become. I mean, he's 19 years old in high A, which for itself is pretty tough. Uh, He's, I think, three years younger than the average age down there. But I looked it up yesterday. I think Royals Farm, Alex Duvall, put out a thing about his walk rate. He's up to 28% on the year. Mm -hmm. Since 2006, which is the furthest back that Fangraphs goes for minor league leaderboards, that would be second among all minor league players. Yeah. All qualified players at any level, any age, second. So it's insane how much he's walking. I think I saw Annie Rogers in her newsletter that came to my email today. She had an interview with him, and he was talking about wanting to swing more. And Mm -hmm. he thinks that he's let some pitches get by him that he could maybe hit to the outfield or – you know, get a, more hits there. Okay. So I think the approach will, it'll become more refined. He's going to walk a little bit less as the season goes on. But at age 19, you know, with all these older pitchers to really be able to show that patience and show that approach at the plate, I think that's, it's pretty promising from a guy like that. You can teach him to hit, you can teach him to be more selective, but it's a lot harder to teach guys to be patient at the plate and to have that true. that plate recognition. So to work backwards from what like the Royals have been doing the opposite, right? They have guys that yeah. can hit and they want them to stop swinging like Bobby Witt jr. Um, I think it's nice to have a guy like Carter Jensen, who he's the Royals number 10 prospect right now, but I think he's maybe in the discussion to replace Sam Perez when he retires. Yeah, For I think,
0: and and that timeline definitely matches up. Um, because I know, if as the yeah the farther that you dive into the Royals prospect rabbit hole, um there is a good valid discussion on if Carter Jensen is a catcher long term, but I am of the camp, I think that he is a catcher long term um we have we've heard about in the off season about him improving his receiving skills um i need to I need to do more watching on the arm. I don't know how he is against um base runners and things like that but i do i concur i think he is in the running to be possibly the the next long-term catcher in kansas city like you said he's he's only freaking 19 years old he was playing complex ball when he was 17 and he was doing and he was doing great there it is just to cap off the whole him walking so much it is crazy to think that a guy can have a a buck 75 average and still have a weighted runs created plus at 119. Like that would be the highest. It would be higher than his weighted runs created plus last year. Um, it would be higher than his long stint and complex ball. Like that would be his best mark and he's not even hitting 200. So I think Carter Jensen has a really, really high ceiling that a lot of people are underestimating.
1: Yeah, they're definitely underestimating it. I think also you have to put into context what time of year it is. It's been really cold in Iowa at times. Yeah, the stadium has literally been flooded, and they haven't really been playing That's at true. home. So, and he did the same thing. I put on Twitter today. He kind of did the same thing last year, from the start of the season until the end of the May, and the end of the month of May. He only hit one sixty eight last year. Uh, he was walking thirteen percent, but he started slow. But then after June first, he slashed two sixty with a four hundred three on base. Damn. And a four thirteen slugging percentage, so the bat will come around. I think you kind of naturally see that with any guys. You know, they're slow starters. Gavin Cross started pretty slow this year. As the weather warms up, the bat will warm up. But if you got a guy that walks, walks are they're all year round. Doesn't really make yeah, do. yeah. Walks walks will play anytime in my, any, in my anywhere body. anytime. You can always walk. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about the bat. I think it'll come along and. He's nineteen. He's nineteen years Yo, old. Like it's just you gotta
0: give guys time, you know? That that you do. And there is you know what, not everyone can be a like a generational talent, you know, like uh what was it, Juan Soto, you know, he was coming up to the majors when he was 20 or something like that. That's not every top prospect. Like we're not, we weren't expecting Gavin cross to make the jump to Kansas city this year. We were still being patient with him, even though he was a college guy and he's already polished with these high school guys who are, you know, very talented and very high ceilings in their own regards. You just got to let them, let them grow, let them progress on their own time. And I don't know I just think it's because the the high walk rate is it's up like across the Royals minor leagues amongst batters in my opinion you know I think of um there's still a few outliers from the previous regime you know Eric Peña is the first one who who comes to mind who is still like yeah, a well, high strikeout guy but Go even
1: Peña he's striking out a lot but he's walking a lot yeah so it's really there was a lot of talk in 2019 when the Royals revamped their their hitting development in the minors. Mm-hmm. It never changed. It's still there. Like, they're still doing really well. It's just yeah. the pitching has been so good this year. And it's it's May. Bats are cold. It just takes that's time. That's true.
0: That is very, very true. Um, anything else on Carter Jensen before we move on, Preston?
1: Uh, Not really. The only thing I'll add is he's a local guy. Um, yeah. They drafted him out of Park Hill High School. He's from Kansas City, so. I think he's a good guy to have around and he's a good guy to build around for the future. Keep developing that guy. One guy that
0: I always forget is also local is Noah Cameron. He grew up in in St. Joe, which I think and what he went to school in in central Arkansas. So it's kinda cool that he's just been going in this little little like two state circle for his uh for his major league ball career. I don't know. I thought that was very, very cool. Well, hey, so we've been talking about some of these top prospects, but one guy who I did not have on my radar one bit entering 2023 was Javier Vaz, and he is a guy who is not getting talked about enough for a hot 2023 start. Now, if you don't know who he is, that is just fine. The Royals selected him 445th overall in last year's draft. Yes, you heard that correctly. Around 15 pick for the Kansas City Royals, um, middle infield guy. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much quarter outfield he's been playing. Um, you know, excuse me, he has been playing a lot in left field. For the for the fireflies and for the river bandits, uh, but his his defense isn't why we're talking about him. Listen, Preston, what can you tell us about Vaz's bat, which has been absolutely electric to start the twenty twenty three season?
1: Yeah, Vaz is a guy like entering this season. He was maybe a guy. He showed last year he can walk. He walked sixteen and a half percent last year. He doesn't strike out a lot. But I think there was just questions about, you know, the hit tool. Can he make contact? And this year, that's all he's done, like all year. I think right now he's the hottest hitter in the whole the whole system I put out today. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's hitting three thirteen this year. His on-base is four oh five. He was a lay-around guy. He went to Vanderbilt, so it's not like he came from nowhere, right? Okay. A pretty, good, pretty good university. But yeah, I think you have to remember that the major league draft is not linear. It's not like the NFL draft, right? Yeah, so you have your first 10 rounds and those count towards your draft pool. But then after that, only a cert up to 150,000 does not count against your draft pool. Mm. So you get the 11th round or any guys after that, you have guys that maybe they're better than the 11th round, maybe they're better than the 15th round, but a lot of teams don't expect them to sign, so why why draft that guy earlier? Right. So I think uh I think the Royals have done well finding guys late in drafts and Boz is one of those guys. He's been Really solid this year. You know, the walks are still there. He's striking out even less. But he's started to show more power this year, which is why I think he's more on on the radar. He's got, so far this season, he's only got two homers, but he's got seven doubles. He's got two triples. That's more of a guy that you expect to succeed in Kaufman, anyways. He's not a home run guy, but he's got doubles power. And he's got super solid speed, which is... Yeah, he does. That's going to benefit the Royals. And they have speed throughout the system, but he's a guy that... Really stands out. So his weighted run created plus this year is here's one hundred and fifty five. I don't think he belongs in in Quad Cities much longer. No, not not much longer. I did, you know,
0: watching watching him at the plate. I will say, you know, I I don't watch as many games as you do, but whenever I can catch a minor league game, I saw I saw him bat. I was just like, you know what, this guy runs like Tyler Tolbert. But he has the patience and the bats that we all want Tyler Tolbert to have. It's, I think, like, he's another very high ceiling guy. And we were talking about Samad Taylor's flexibility. Um, He's, you know, Vaz is the same way. He's got time in left field. He's got time at second base. He split them pretty much evenly this year so far. In yep, like Quad 18, cities.
1: 10 games in left field
0: 15 in second base so far this year and the cool and the cool thing to me is no errors at either position this year. Yeah. So I will definitely take that, especially after we had to watch Edward Olivares out there in left field in Chicago today, make that, uh, make that bumbling play. Unfortunately, please no more. Stop putting him in the outfield. <laughs> yes, please just make it end. But it's going to be guys like Vaz that are going to force the Royals hand in that, in my, in my opinion, because yeah, take time.
1: he's not a guy that, you know, he's not going to be here this year. He might not even nope. be up next year. But he's just consistent. He doesn't, you know, he'll hit a slump, but it hasn't happened this year. We're talking, you know, two hits tonight, three hits tomorrow night. He's just constantly taking good appearances at the plate and walking and taking his hits. And He's a good guy. Yeah. And for
0: everyone who was was hyping up Vinny Pasquantino, you know, walking more than than he struck out, Vaz is doing the exact same thing in Quad Cities. Um, right now, his walk rate is 12.8. His strikeout rate is 7.7, which is just crazy to me. Very, very patient approach. Um, you, you look at his BABIP, it's not, it's not crazy. It's not an outlier. It's not him just getting lucky at the plate. He is really producing and Burning his hits, and I'm I I like watching him. I think it's I think it's really cool seeing this really really small guy at what well, he's listed at five nine and also 151 pounds, which is crazy. But he is a he is a very electric to watch. Preston, I yeah, I enjoy. He's him. fun.
1: He's a fun player. We need more fun in Kansas City.
0: Mm-hmm. I will absolutely take it. Do you have anything else on Javier Vaz before we move
1: on? No, I think he's just, like I already said, I think he needs to go to double A. He's probably too advanced for the level he's at, especially coming from Vandy. Um, You know, he's a lot like Noah Cameron. What's he going to do when he gets to that next level? Is he going to continue with what we've seen? Or is he going to be a guy that, you know, starts to struggle and get into slumps? Okay. That's kind of going to determine the ceiling there. Is there a guy's
0: spot that he could take in double A that you would advocate for? Like who could he replace on the Naturals roster right now? Uh,
1: right now, I don't think there's anybody in the AA lineup that's really, really, like, pushing for a promotion. Okay. Uh, there's guys. I mean, John Rave, but he's playing center field, right? Yeah. You're going to put Vaz in center, I don't think. Peyton Wilson's had a pretty good year. He's starting to walk, but the hits have slowed down, but he's still hitting, I think, 320. Okay. So, you know, if you put Peyton Wilson up to to Omaha, then you could put Vaz up to AA in that kind of translates pretty well okay well um i was hoping that he could take
0: the position of my least favorite minor league player jorge bonifacio who for some reason is 30 years old and playing in double a ball
1: i have no clue why preston i, make I it had make to sense. stop i had to stop putting him on my top performers graphic because he'll just be there every day never take it <laughs> <much. laughs> and it I don't know if if it's
0: a good thing or a bad thing that he's in Double A because it's the the outfielders in Omaha are not doing terrible by by any stretch. If you ask me, you know, right now they got Drew Waters up there. Brewer Hickland is another guy who, who comes to mind. It's not like their outfield is hurting for guys, which is why I think Bo- Bonifacio is in double A right now to get those guys some more, you know, good reps to develop. But I don't, I don't know. I still just don't see Bonifacio's worth on the Naturals. Does that make sense? Preston?
1: It makes sense. I think his worth to the Royals is see if he can become, you know, like a coach in the system. Uh, I mean, he, he came up with the Royals, right. And he had that really good season when he came up eventually But I'm with you. I mean, he's 30. Whatever he's doing in the minors, it doesn't matter for the Royals in the major leagues. He's not going to come up, and I hope he doesn't come up. You know, <laughs> the Royals, he might – We'll DFA Dozier, and then Bonifacio will come up. But, no, I mean, there's some worth to that, though. You know, he's got major league experience. Um, yeah. He's shown an ability to, to take good at bats and to be disciplined at the plate. So mm-hmm. I think there's value to it, and he's not – He's not blocking anybody right now. He's helping give guys days off. He's adding, you know, a good mindset in the clubhouse. I think there's value, but he's not a guy that is going to help Kansas City at any point. Fair enough. Listen,
0: as long as we're not relying on Jorge Bonifacio in 2024, I will be a happy camper and I will keep my mouth shut about what he is doing in Northwest Arkansas.
1: Go ahead. I was just gonna say, if he's the opening day right fielder next season, it's your fault. oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> it is oh my i you know what? I would take that square on the chin if if that was the case because i I've talked enough crap about him that I deserve that. that would be my slice of humble pie <laughs> Preston Farr, everyone, thank you so much for joining me tonight, Preston, so you are you are constantly at work, doing things, where can people find your Royals work and where can they find you on social media?
1: Yeah, I watch too many minor league games. Um, so I post a lot of stuff on my Twitter. You can find me at Preston PrestonBFar. Mm-hmm. Um, like you already said earlier, I write for Royals Review. So I think I've got a piece coming out this week just talking about guys that the Royals should trade the season. Okay. Uh, that might be coming out tomorrow, I think. So look for that. But yeah, just... Watch for me on Royals Review. Check out the Twitter if you want to see some minor league content. Heck yeah. Sounds like a plan to me. And everyone out there still
0: listening, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Royal Rundown Pod. We're always trying to elevate the Royals creation community, if you will, on Twitter. So please go check us out over there. Again, my name is Jake Milham. That's Preston Farr over there. Thank you, everyone out there for listening. And until next time. Go Royals!